0: Hi, and welcome back to the Decarb Connect podcast. This uh, episode with Jan Skoldhammer of Novi Ocean is actually the first in a a short little series we're doing for December, really focused on innovative technologies. And this week, uh, Jan and I are going to be talking about the role that ocean energy, wave energy can play in our overall energy mix, and also talking about some of the questions around uh, current Energy instability, uh, particularly as seen in the European market. So we'll we'll be covering covering a bit of ground. Jan, uh, welcome to the podcast. Maybe you could kick us off just by giving us a sense of how have you arrived at this point in time. So how have you found yourself at the helm of this kind of innovative technology business?
1: Well, thank you first of all uh, for having me. Uh, pleasure. Uh, well, uh, I might have a bit different background from some of the. Uh, The uh, normal engineers which are working in the industry. And my education is as an officer, economist. Later on, I've been an airline captain for the last 25 years. And then also been some some uh, property business while flying. Uh, But the whole time I had in my drawer laying different patent ideas, many other ones on the market by other people uh, so far. But I had this this, uh, solution for wave energy laying there uh since i was 25 years old and then when i knew about the emerging uh, climate crisis coming up and i had some liberty after the property and deal i asked myself what to do now the rest of my life Shall i just keep on flying for the next 15 years or be something more sensible so i weighed that for like uh, one year you know, because it's a big step to quit a very nice job, uh, you know, good salary status, uh, nice colleagues. But I finally decided so I I quit my my job as an airline captain there and started this thing. And uh, since then I've been working double the number of hours I think per year as I had as an uh, airline captain with uh, no payment. But it's meaningful, and I think we're going to make big impact uh, for the environment all the time. So it's worth it.
0: Yeah, I think for all the uh, disruptors and innovators we talked to, if you don't feel that that purpose is there, you would probably wouldn't get through the first few years of kicking off it with new technology, would you? But just before we move on, so you mentioned you'd have this in the drawer since you were 25. So what, what were you doing at that stage? What had you studied that kind of led you to this kind of idea?
1: Well, I have this uh, this innovative mind, so so uh, I've been drawing up things since I was a teenager, and seeing them them going with you know other people to the market like you know carbon skis and and different uh, sort of sports equipment and, and uh, some racing boats system the the endo aircraft going over the Caspian Sea for instance and also some solution for for uh, aircraft safety and um that kind of made me a bit pissed off seeing everything other people have taken it to the to the market and but this one was laying it all the, all the time and uh, you know i was always curious about it and when i had the chance i said why why not go for it and and make the best out of it uh, and and uh, it will be successful which i think it will be It will be a game changer in renewable, stable energy.
0: Okay, well, that's a that's a good intro then to our kind of first point of discussion, which is that we're recording this podcast in actually the first day of December, twenty twenty one, and it's been quite a few, yeah, a strange few months for those looking at the power and energy markets in Europe in particular. Maybe like, why don't you give us the scene as you see it? You know, you're, we're going to be talking more about your technology, but right now, give us your kind of your view of what's going on in the energy market in terms of renewables and traditional power. And, and then where does wave energy potentially fit into this?
1: Yeah, Very good question. Well, as far as I see, there are, are two main reasons for the, the high prices nowadays and volatility. Uh, one is uh, the, the um, of course, the high prices from Russia coming on coal and, 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 and gas power from that side, uh, which might be uh, due to profit, uh, let's say, uh, increases our wishes. But the other one is the, uh, is the increase in the amount of unstable intermittent power in our grids. From solar power and and from wind power, not the least. And uh, when this uh, uh, varying power is there, then of course, when there is wind for for uh, 15 days, then the coal powers and gas power plants shut down. But when they have to open up, just perhaps uh, one or two weeks per month, they would charge much more for those few days because they also have the operating costs to be covered. So they are more expensive when they uh, have to kick in combined with the high prices uh, for the the fossil fuels they're burning that's why we have this problem had the the uh, the grids been much more stable from wind power and sun power this wouldn't happen but by nature uh, they are unstable so uh that's why we see the the good combination coming in for for wave power because it is uh, off faced uh, with uh, wind power in particular to say that the way it works basically uh, very simple is that of course first you have the sun coming on the sun warms the air which creates wind the wind blows for a few days the wind creates the waves and then when the wind dissipates or calms down, the waves remains for days. And that's where we have the, the natural stability of these three uh, you know, green energies, uh, wind power, sun power, and wave power. Because then the, the wave power can supply the grids with directly green energy uh, for days when the wind is gone, and also for cloudy days and at nighttime. So the combination is what we're looking for. Otherwise, you have to storage, like battery uh, storage, which also is expensive. It doesn't create any energy. There's a storage uh, or hydrogen, also good. All can be combined, but the directly produced energy from the waves will be the best option to keep stable and green energy coming to the grids.
0: So the way that we should be thinking about this is, is not as necessarily totally separate uh, sources of energy but but more like a kind of nice virtuous circle of sun to wind to wave and 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 looking at it as a whole is that correctly that, uh, yeah
1: it's called the energy mix and and uh, right now of course uh, wave power is a very small portion of energy mix but believe you it will become uh, larger by time because of the need we see right now in the last three months is a proof of that uh, people have been hoping it wouldn't be like that but i think actually the more we now get in the, uh, in the grid system from unstable uh, you know, producers, the worse the problem will be. So if you think you are suffering nowadays, it could actually be much worse in two to five years if you do not get more of these uh, green energies, which are more stable.
0: Okay. All right. Well, then, that's we've sort of set the scene of where we are this year and, and the kind of challenges for stable uh, electricity, particularly in Europe, but not only in Europe. Um, let's look now very specifically at the wave energy business model, and we will come on to your specific technology, of course, but tell us a bit about, like, what's needed if you're, if you're someone who's looking either at investing in or using the power from wave technology, what, what is actually needed in infrastructure and business model terms to make make that real
1: it's actually quite the same uh, story as as wind power had and also sun power had when we were developing they can go, both create electricity and we can as well and it has to be tested first at smaller scale then at uh, pre-commercial areas and then uh, larger areas. and uh, it's they all have a learning curve most costly in the beginning and then as you have more and more production going on the the learning curve is, is uh falling down so so uh, or curving down so you have lower cost per produced unit i might mention that you know in the beginning wind power had a cost of 50 to 60 cents uh, per, per kilowatt hour but then the you know the governments came in with subsidies and slowly but surely over the last 30 years the costs have been falling down and the same will happen uh, also with uh, with uh, wave power. But there's one difference. Uh, many uh, wave power concepts are expensive, but for instance ours, it looks like we should be starting out at a cost of less than 16 cents uh, per kilowatt hour for the first three megawatt array, which is very low. On top of that, you add the same learning curve, which is steeper in the beginning and flatter after a while. So if you're starting out perhaps 30 percent of what wind power had at the same learning curve then you might see that will become below offshore wind in cost in some year and the market is enormous enormous around the 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 globe both for the climate costs by using green energy instead of fossil energy but also of course the economical side
0: okay and so sorry let me just I was about to ask a very bad question so I'm going to edit myself out don't worry um so so right right now tell us tell us kind of a bit about sorry let me start that again so as you and I are talking Jan obviously I can see because we're on zoom together kind of an image of the technology that you're developing behind you sadly podcasts are not known for their visual communication of ideas so can you talk <laughs> us through what does your technology look like what does it do how, how does you know in a in layman's terms what is it that your technology is able to bring to market
1: just a good question first of all the listeners uh most of you have a phone nearby or a computer google up know the ocean know the ocean then you will see the the home page and you can see some videos in that page showing how it works and also some numbers, etc. Basically, uh, it is a, it's a rectangular large float. The full size will be 38 meters long, 8 meters wide and 4 meters high. And it, it uh, lays in the ocean uh, naturally with the long side towards the wavefront. So when we are in the deepest of the, uh, of the wave, we lock one valve. It is connected to the seafloor by a hydraulic cylinder and on top there is a Pelton turbine or the turbine. So uh, it is locked hydraulically to the, in the same position vertically. Then the wave is rising up alongside the float, locking up to 600 cubic meters of air below water. That's 600 tons of lifting force, 400 cars. And when we had the pressure we want, we open one valve and high pressure water streaming upwards towards the Pelton turbine, hits the turbine on the side. bang up to 1,000 meters per second, 200 kilometers per hour, turning a water turbine around, spinning a generator. It's, it's actually the same as you have up in the mountains a hydropower plant. There up you have a dam, large dam, and down comes a tube, sometimes 700 meters long. At the end of the tube, you have a water turbine and generator. We just took that concept, well-proven, over 200 years, put it out on the float, coupled a hydraulic cylinder, and there it goes. So it's well-proven, light, few, simple parts. Uh, that's also why we've gotten some awards, for instance, uh, for what we're doing. Because professors, doctors into renewable energy do believe that we might be one of the few ones that can make this uh, transition happen, very soon actually as well.
0: And mm. um, in terms of what happens to the power generated, I know you, there's kind of two versions, right? There's the stored version and then there's the I guess, cable to shore, but perhaps you could just talk us through that as well. Yes, um,
1: you know, the uh, wave energy does the same as wind power. You, you have a, a um, producing energy by a uh, generator. And in the, our case, it goes into land by a subsea cable, just like wind power. Difference is, uh, wind power have to be up to coast, uh, perhaps 50 kilometers because they're so huge and no one wants to see them uh, or hear them. Uh, but wave power is much less visible. And this doesn't make any noise uh, or any significance, and uh, it doesn't harm any animal life. So it can be very short, close to shore, and it doesn't disturb anyone. But that's uh, you know how it is as see that the cable gives them power into the grids, just like uh, wind power. But on board, we will also have supercapacitors, uh, which is sort of a fast battery that will be charged in every cycle you must say and we can have an extra capacity so we can let's say store present two to three hours of energy on board so in the morning hours when there's a high demand for energy and also in the afternoon we can supply more energy in those hours stored during the uh for instance night so we can help to even out even more of the grids this is important you know, for all uh, you know, areas, but especially for the small islands, for instance, uh, which for us have, might have just one or two units supplying power, then we can you know, help them with the supply 24-7. And then lastly, uh, we can also in a second iteration produce hydrogen on board with electrolyzers, store it, can be offloaded to the consumption uh, in, for instance, the UK or Japan where it's needed. Or we can also use that uh, if wanted uh, to be supplied back to the grid in those hours when energy is needed uh, by uh, using fuel cells. So we have this sort of two sorts of, of storage depending what the user actually wants to have. We have it all
0: and then in terms of like what what would it look and feel like if you imagine your wave energy farm or cluster or whatever the right term terminology is what what's your sense of the kind of uh the you know the, the seascape of it how how much space would that take up and, and you mentioned it's closer to shore but how much closer to shore could it be
1: yeah it depends on the on actually the depth of the of the of the ocean floor we can be from 30 to 80 meters depth, depending on, on, on the, the wave heights in that area. Uh, so um, that will normally be closer than, than wind power. It can also be in the same location where the depth is the same. But we might go deeper, but that's the second stage then the third stage. Uh, but um, it can be combined with the same cable as wind power has, for instance, or it can be co-located in the same area. But since water is so much more dense than, uh, than, than air, you can extract, uh, according to calculations, about three times more energy per area, per sea area, by using uh, wave power than wind power. So you get more bang for the buck, so to say. Uh, and also, you know, uh, a little additional thing important perhaps for California, they see now the, the large nice villas falling into the water because of the shoreline erosion. If you have an area of wave power along the coastline, you'll also be able to, to uh, you know, uh, mitigate or reduce the, the waves hitting the shorelines. So for California, for instance, we can produce what electricity, hydrogen, and protect the shoreline. Not visually obstructing, non-noising, not harming the animal life. Is the green scenario, in my opinion. Welcome um,
0: to <laughs> <laughs> and, and what stage is Novi Ocean at, at the moment? So where are you, where are you at in terms of being, you know, demonstration pilot and, and so forth? What, what phase are you in?
1: We are so-called in phase number three, according to an uh, automated systems uh, scale, which means again data level six. That means technical readiness level number six and then uh, of, of a nine level scale. That means you have tested it both in wave tanks, uh, in Plymouth and in, in Nantes, in France, and also offshore outside Stockholm. Uh, and now it goes out again this winter, by the way, Grayson uh, College will be, it goes out again for, for seven months of testing just to uh, you know, have more hours under the belt. This is to the one to five scale. At the same time, we've now gotten uh, funding from the European Commission or European Union by the LIFE project, of about 2.2 million uh, plus about 400k from Sweden, which covers about 50% of the cost for the design construction of the full-scale unit, the 500 kilowatt unit I just mentioned. And so we'll be at the same time now working on that design, and then uh, using suppliers out in Europe uh, to put this together, Actually, we then also need uh, to cover then, you know, the half of this this budget of five million by private capital in some way, and so hereby I invite, you know, the large industrials, large utilities like Enel, EDP, NG, uh, and so forth, uh, and all companies like Shell, BP, Equinor, come on board, put in some pocket money for you from your side. Three million, and uh, come along, develop this thing uh, together with us. Later on, you will be on board, on top of this one. Take it along, your VIP friends, uh, politicians, media, having your name displayed in a 35-meter-long, uh, uh, you know, placard on the side. There, it's the best investment you will do, and you will have fun at the same time. So uh, don't be shy, and don't wait on the sidelines until someone else comes on board. <laughs> would have been a winner in my opinion that was today's commercial
0: <laughs> well done well done so investment ready and already had demonstrations in open water and uh deep ocean water so that that's kind of an exciting stage to be at well let's kind of switch focus then for a minute so you mentioned there that you have some funding from the eu i know when we were doing the prep call for this that you would also mention that the eu has actually made a stated goal around wave energy ocean energy as part of their net zero 2050 plan. So what, what is that set goal? And um, yeah, tell us a bit about, about that.
1: Yes, well, a good question. Uh, well, the logic is the same as also with wind power. They've been subsidized now by all taxpayers for, for 30 years. And the cost was in the beginning, three times higher than what we will have. So, but now uh, the European Commission has decided that they will well, commit themselves to see 40 gigawatts of unit out in the water uh, by uh, 2050, both tidal power and wave energy. And they will use subsidies as needed to see that happen, together with the the other countries, uh, with the shoreline in Europe. And 40 gigawatts is just a number, it it doesn't mean so much for most people. But in our case, it means if we just take 10% of that market, it means 8,000 units, the one behind me. And that means again, a a turnover of 18, uh, correct me, 16 billion euros approximately over those coming years. It's a huge turnover. And of course, the the global market is much, much, much larger than that again. I'm personally in this for the climate thing. 60% I do this for the climate, 20% for the money, 20% for the project. So, But for the guys thinking mostly about the, the business side, there's a huge profit waiting there for anyone coming on board, uh, investors and uh, industrials. Of course, also the latter one will have easier to employ young people to int- attract them, because they're working with green energy. They're showing some guts, perhaps coming on board early, not waiting on the sidelines, waiting for us to be larger. The first one with the winners, I think, in, in attracting you know new skilled employees and having the image for real like we washing, but but so uh, be brave guys and and think about this and talk to your parents perhaps which you are if you're a young listener and tell them to check out our site and look more about this because it's going to happen and it's important to be early on not late on mm.
0: now w- with our investors and industrials in mind obviously the two questions that everybody wants to know about some <laughs> new technology is what are the, the rea- what's the reality of the economics around this? Like, what's the cost now versus what the, you know, the path to price parity with other forms of energy generation might be? So that's question one. Question two is, you know, what needs to happen between where you and companies like you are now and 40 gigawatts having been deployed? Because obviously there are other things that need to fall into place that are, that are not all in your hands. So, so maybe you can talk us through that. Let, let's start with, um, actually, let's start with that second question. So what is it that needs to fall into place to really realize that vision of 40 gigawatts of tidal and wave energy by 2050?
1: Yeah, yeah. For, for our specific case, then we're now at station number three. That means we are now in three years, we will be deploying the first unit out in the water and for one year of testing. And that's called the, the pilot, and and then after that you will have a pre-commercial area for another two to three years, with three to six units, out you know doing work, producing some work, and all this you know proves the system. You take away uh, some uh, some uh, initial problems uh, and uh, you know lowers the insurance costs. For instance, after that you're fully commercial. Uh, just like wind power you know went through the through the stages and. Uh, also like, uh, for instance, floating offshore wind does the same thing. So it's the same procedure. And, and um, what is needed is, is just then the the uh, required feed-in tariffs. That means the price per kilowatt hour must be uh, raised uh, by the governments to a, a level that you know makes it possible to, to be profitable. Or it can be capex or opex subsidies, maybe a combination of all these different from country to country as, as well. This will happen then and, and pull us and others through this, uh, this uh, let's say converging process. And of course now there are many many companies out there producing uh, or trying to develop way power and tidal power. So the the challenge is for the companies out there to try to find out who is the best one uh, or who are the best ones because there will be perhaps five systems out there in in 15 years that will be the dominant one. So your challenge, guys, is then to look to us, contact us, talk to us, try to evaluate. Is it us, is it power? is it Menesto, is it Mosin? is it someone else? Uh, But talk to us, check our systems, and and, uh, evaluate the best you can. I can mention for instance Ecopetrol now in Colombia, they are on the front there. They've been contacting now, like, uh, I think, uh, 20 developers all around the world because they're set forth, because they want to see this in the water. So now we had like four or five interviews with Ecopetrol about this, also PTT in, in Thailand. They're starting this process because they know it's going to happen. So uh, it's just up to Econor, Shell, BP, NG, EDP, all those companies, they do the same thing and, and try to be early on, not be on the fence.
0: And then on the economics question, so, you know, there's always a lot of interest, isn't there, with a relatively new technology about how, how long does it take to get to wh- where there's a real kind of comparable price with traditional established technology? So what what's your kind of, what's your view on that?
1: Yeah, well, the, the official cost number from the for the initial stages from waypower is from uh, about 300 to 600 euros per megawatt hour, from 30 to 60 cents, which is kind of high. And uh, some of us claim lower, some higher. Uh, most companies do not even show a number on their web page. They talk about rated power. They don't show uh, what the output will be, because rated power doesn't mean a thing, in my opinion. It's, it's the annual delivery, which is important for you know, to pay the bills. I guess we're the only company showing all the numbers on their web page and in documentation because we can. So our numbers are quite uh, low. Uh, our first 3 megawatt array will have a cost in medium sites at about uh, 140 euros per megawatt hour, which is very low. Most likely, the subsidies will be above that. Uh, because of the commitment of the European Commission starting most likely at something like 150 to 200. So even the first six units should be profitable and then that subsidy will be coming in at a fixed rate most likely for many years and while our our learning curve is going down rapidly. So we're saying when we have 50 uh, megawatt deployed in the sea, the cost should be well below 100 at the medium site. And then by learning curve, uh, when we come to uh, uh, some gigawatt, we'll be down to 25 or 2.5 cents uh, per kilowatt uh, hour or 25 euros per megawatt hour. Then, if that happens, we're below any other energy source in cost. It might sound, sound like a tale right now we think it will be happen, and we are quite certain about uh what we're doing so welcome for a discussion if you if you are among the early adopters mm.
0: well we'll make sure that in the podcast show notes we provide links not just we'll put a link obviously to the video but perhaps we can direct people towards that part of your site as well because i think you know understanding that and being upfront about that is quite refreshing isn't it so getting people face-to-face with those numbers early on so they can make well-informed decisions, I think, yeah, great, a great, great way to approach it. Um, so I've sort of talked about those two areas of questionings that all technologies get, you know, which is cost and the, the timelines deployment. With wave energy, and it's, there are other technologies in the climate space that have this similar kind of challenge, which is, you know, this isn't the first cycle this isn't the first time that we've seen technologies talk about the promise of wave tech so i'm i'm sure that part of your job is kind of overcoming skepticism from those that that saw it the first time around so what what sorts of pushback do you get and how do you overcome that when you're in the kind of the second iteration you're in you know wave tech 2.0 how how do you overcome that kind of skepticism
1: yeah very good question it is a challenge because there have been so many Companies which uh, have been early adopters trying to you know, support, for instance, Palamis and Seabase and other ones, p- putting in lots of money in those things. And, and I think all the glory to those companies and governments haven't done that. Uh, it has so far not been very successful. Uh, many have failed. It is mainly due to uh, the technique has not been uh, the proper ones. Very often, you know, up to you know 1,000 ton per per uh, rated megawatt hour, which is too much high tech out in the sea. Uh, perhaps enough just to to run a car, at the best It's just too costly. So now the the challenge for us is to to convey to the uh, investors and the industry that we have a system which is very light, based on. on few and well-proven parts like the hydropower plant you've seen it uh, for 200 years out there and hydraulic cylinder it's been used for you know any car any tractor for the last uh, 150 years so it is the same system and we just have to show that it's simple light and durable and then have them have a look at it and check our numbers we can scrutinize how much you like and we can stand for that and then we'll hope that uh, these companies that have been scared before say, well, let's give it another try because the ones that are in early will be the winners on this. Both the investors and the, and and the companies taking the chance. Mm.
0: And as you, as you said at the beginning, I I guess the, the kind of a really great lens to look at this through is for people who are investing or looking to invest in other forms of renewables. This, this kind of completes that mix. It's not just a kind of a standalone technology. It's a way of, managing and balancing out your renewable portfolio of investments Um, but yeah great well look we're going to wrap up then and as always i'm going to ask you like what's your i guess your call to action not just for investors but for people in general listening to this we we know that obviously you're keen to talk to potential investors but what's the call to action that would help wave energy ocean energy kind of take off uh, and and how can others help with that
1: I think media, just like you do right now, is important uh, to be out there, and people understand this this uh, this uh, interfacing with wind power and and sun power. You know, if you combine wind power and wave power, the the base load, that means the lowest delivery to the grid, can be four times higher. It's like nuclear power. This combination, and since we have all this wind power out there now. If you just keep on adding you know, sensible way power, we will solve this. And it's also much better for the climate because if you produce tons and tons of batteries, storage, to support this, uh, this uh, you know, the air times when there's no wind, it's also an expense for the climate. You know, taking minerals from Congo and transporting it, building batteries, transporting them, burning them, recycling them. Is difficult so can we have a larger amount of green energy coming out there it's in total much better for the climate our lca seems since shows we have one year carbon payback time it's nothing then you go with profit if you have some power panels made from china from with coal power it is not so uh, you know desirable from the carbon payback uh, angle so i think people should talk about the two ways both for the climate and then also for the uh, the uh, green stability, and thirdly also the ones that uh, you know uh, run a business, look at the enormous profit working out there.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Jan. And for those who are interested to learn either more about how uh, the technology in this case works, or to find out more about some of those stats and financial models that Jan has referenced we will um in the show notes so have a look in our show notes you'll be able to find some links to that information but Jan thank you so much and good luck with this next phase of testing this winter
1: thank you if I might I might add then uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn connected that's the easiest way to get you know to contact me or our staff and, and then we can have a uh, more discussion at that point. thank you for having me
0: thank you Many thanks for listening to the Decarb Connect podcast. We work with clients across the industrial sectors, specifically those who are tasked with decarbonizing the most energy-intensive products and materials that we use every day. If you have an interest in uh, learning more about either our members network, our reports, or our event series, do get in touch with us at decarbconnect.com. Or if you'd like to take part in the podcast, email me, alex at ac at decarbconnect.com. Thanks for listening.